Hey guys, I want to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. And how do I know? Because Todd Orndorff on a podcast now switched to Anchor. And it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Can you imagine not having to lug all of your equipment every place you go to do an interview or record? You can do it all right from your phone. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to be heard, they send you there. You do the fun stuff, they do the hard stuff. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to the Toddcast, featuring the number one Toddcaster in America, Todd Orndorff. What's up, what's up, and good evening to you. This is Todd Orndorff on the Toddcast, coming at you from the great state of PA, Central PA to be exact. My name is Todd Orndorff. I'll be your party host for the evening. The first episode is kicking off now. How does one find Todd Orndorff on the Toddcast and get to listen to this voice each and every single day? Todd Orndorff on the Toddcast.podbean.com is where you can go and subscribe. And if you subscribe every single time that a podcast or Toddcast, whichever you want to call it, is uploaded, it will automatically be downloaded to your phone so you can listen to it on the go. So when you're driving home in the bad weather, you can listen to it. When you're sitting down watching some TV, you can listen to it with the volume down, of course, so you can listen to this voice. Maybe when you're making some dinner for your lady on that romantic night, you can listen to it. Anytime, any place, that's a wonderful world of podcasts. You can take it with you on the go whenever you need to hear it. So right now we're just going to jump on in because I am so excited about this first episode because I'm starting off with an interview. And it's with a really cool guy, a really special guy to me, because I'm starting with family. And this is my Uncle Tony. Some of you know of him. Some of you might have heard stories that I've told of him. Remarkable guy. Remarkable story. Remarkable life. He was Fisher Nuts Sports Nut of the Year in 1988, was in the sporting news. He's on basketball cards personal friends with pro athletes all over and he has some stories that will just blow you away to this day and I already know the stories they still blow me away so I'm really excited to share this man with all of you and I hope you enjoy it I know you will be prepared to be blown away though I ain't kidding with you when somebody says they have over four million cards and they're a collector you'll just hear it that was on the cover of what I mean not the cover but it was in was it sporting news there was a cartoon of me in there with Morgana. There was a cartoon? Yeah. Uh, but a picture of you and Graham and Pat. Yeah, that was with the Capitol article. And then uh, there's a bunch of articles. A whole bunch. Baltimore paper. All the way down into Baltimore. Well, I think that's where it's at the Babe Ruth Museum. I, I was going to ask you about that. And I'm not stopping this. No, don't ask me because I've never seen it. I know. And when I lived in Baltimore, I wanted to actually go to the Babe Ruth. I'm actually really upset with myself that I never went to Baltimore to the uh, the Babe Ruth Museum because I lived, it's right by Camden Yards, correct? Yep. Yeah, it's right by Camden Yards, and I went to Camden when I was down there for my three and a half, four years, whatever it was. I was I went to almost, I, I went to probably half of, half of the Yankee games in those times. But I've never been to the Babe Ruth Museum, but I think it was Mom, or maybe you told me that you were in there. I'm sp- that's what they told me. The, the the people had it online and everything. And I wonder if we can find that online. You might be able you to. You might be able to, maybe. No, you would be able to, I think, because she showed me online. Uh, um, somebody bought my articles and pictures or whatever for, I don't know how much money, but... I said, why would somebody want to buy them? And then she looked it up and says, you're in a museum. I said, well, there's only one museum down there, Babe Ruth Museum. Yeah. She goes, that's what it is. So how big was your cut? Yeah, right. How big, somebody bought your stuff. You don't get in a cut? No. Well, I think we should do some research and change that. You think? I think we should. There might be a way. All right, so Fisher Nuts, right? I thought that Dad told me it was in Sporting News. Yeah, it was. There was an okay, article. Sporting News. I always thought Sports Illustrated for some reason. I think it should have been, except somebody didn't put it in because they said that free advertising for fish and nuts. Isn't that something? 
What do you mean? I thought it was Verducci, too, was at the time, but I don't know if it was him. It was a long time ago. Tom Verducci? Yeah, it sounds like him. Mr. Know-it-all. I don't like him. You don't like Tom Verducci? No, he thinks he knows everything, ever played the game. <laughs> well, give me an example. I need an example. What? So why you don't like Tom Verducci? Because he thinks he owns. He thinks he knows everything about the game he never played. Well, I, yes, I I think I know everything about the game, but I never played at that level. So, no, it doesn't matter. He he, the way he acts, he like he hit three hundred twenty years in a row or something. You know, it's oh, the ball middle in. Oh, give me a bloody break! <laughs> oh, he shouldn't be throwing so many sliders. I mean, the ball tends to. Oh, Jesus! I can't take that guy. <laughs> oh, I don't like him. I'm, I'm finding that out. This is my Uncle Tony. He came in to help with the interview. And I'm actually really excited about this because my first interview for the show, I get to keep it in the family. It's not with somebody who thinks that they know something about sports. The life that this guy has lived proves that he knows something about sports. He's done many things which you're going to hear about. It's very exciting. And in my 29 years, I'm honestly quite jealous of the lifestyle that you have lived. I'm sure I've told you that before. If not, you had to have known. Pretty exciting some stuff you're going to hear. I promise it's going to be something that will probably wow you because to this day, obviously I know stories. Obviously I've heard and seen many things in memorabilia, but to this day I can never hear enough of what this guy has done. So I'm going to start off, first question, not about Tom Verducci. Favorite basketball moment that you've ever, that you've ever witnessed live? Moment. Moment. That you, you were at a game or... Somebody took you behind the scenes. What was the most memorable or most meaningful thing that a player slash team has ever done for you? Uh, back in the, uh, I guess, early to mid-70s, uh, oh, Washington Bullets, guy came from the front office, actually, and he grabbed a hold of me and said, we want you to come in. You, Tony, you come on in the locker room. And when I went in, uh, all the players were at their lockers and, and applauded me, and it was my birthday. So, and uh, West Sunset handed me an autograph ball from the team, and they all shook my hand. It was pretty neat. Was there cake? Uh, no cake. Was there women? Uh, no. No women? No, they don't seem to hang around when I'm there. <laughs> Where's the basketball now? It's in my upstairs bedroom. Uh, upstairs bedroom. So, okay, that was favorite. Did anybody from a baseball team ever take you back behind to a locker room and yeah i've been in some locker rooms before you know i can see the spread that they have there with the food and all that oh the catering yeah it's pretty cool did you ever go downstairs in the old yankee stadium at all ever no but i was in the dugout once this was before 1974 this is uh Guy got us passes. We were in the dugout. All the Yankees were coming out for the game, and we got out their autographs. But we were in that dugout that Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and all them. This is before it was remodeled at all. Yeah. Yeah. What year was it remodeled? Uh, the Yankees played two years in Shea Stadium, 74 and 75. I know they did it. I didn't know the years. So it was before that. So you got to meet who? That was early 70s that happened, mm-hmm. late 60s? There was a player at that time that you would have been in awe of that was walking by you while you're in the dugout, and you got the autograph. Who would that player be? Well, there wasn't that many I really walked by, but, I mean, Thurman Munson was the man, you know, back then. But, uh, I mean, I can remember getting Ron Bloomberg's autograph and other players. I know know for a fact, because I can picture it for some reason. I don't know how I got this. I don't know if you maybe gave it to me at one point. I doubt you did. Because, but I know I have a, I actually own a Ron Bloomberg card from somewhere. Somehow, maybe my dad gave it to Mm -hmm. me. I don't know. But... I was obviously never in the the old before it was remodeled, but what was... I remember my first experience walking into Yankee Stadium. I was with my dad, and when I walked in and I saw that powdered blue paint on the concrete, and we were to the right of home plate as we walked out, and it was the first time that I saw the field in person, first time my dad saw the field in person, and I, I literally just got chills right now thinking about it. I remember walking out there, seeing the field, knowing the history of that mm-hmm. stadium, and instantly just getting chills, and the the smile probably lasted about three hours. Mm-hmm. What was your feeling like the first time you walked well, into Yankee Stadium and saw the That was unbelievable. My mom and dad took me to Yankee Stadium in 1966. This is when the Yankees were really starting to get bad, really bad. But they still had a lot of the players that were on the championship teams from before that. And 
just seeing the facade and uh, it was the same stadium that Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig played in the same one and there was no difference there was exactly the same the seats were the same everything was that the time that Monument Park was still in center field oh yeah how deep do you think that was to center field at that time do you know the fence yes what 461 463 something isn't like that, that unbelievable yeah Unbelievable. And the guys, and some of the guys had the power numbers that they had. Yeah, and Mickey Mantle hit it over there a number of times. Did you ever see a moment where the monuments actually affected the play? Sure. Oh, sure. The ball would go, go between the monuments, and they, you know, players would go between, they're trying to get the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to YouTube a clip of that because I've, I've always thought about that for some reason. I've never got online to YouTube it, but it just seems like that would be, I don't know. I mean, I, I could probably hit a triple there. <laughs> Well, Forbes Field in Pittsburgh back in the '60s when we used to go, they had the batting cage was still in the uh, fair territory. What do you mean? It was in center field. I never knew that. Yeah, that's how far it was out there. I was, oh. I mean, it was not any side; it was like in center field. Oh, it was in center. Yeah, because the deeper you wouldn't want the batting cages to be in right field, for it was sure. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. First game you saw ever was where? Yankee Stadium. No, first game I ever saw was. Let's see, August 2nd, 1964. And you know the date. <laughs> yep, and that was San Francisco Giants at Pittsburgh Pirates at Forbes Field. And I saw Willie Mays and Orlando Cepeda, Willie McCovey, and Roberto Clemente. That was something. I'll never forget it. Do you remember any of the lineups? Oh, yeah, I could, I could probably say both lineups. I know Duke Snyder actually played right field with the Giants his last year there, and he won the game with a single. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. Yep. Starting pitchers that day were Bob Friend for the Pirates and Bob Henley for the Giants. The two Bobs. Final score was two to one. The Battle of the Bobs. The Battle of the Bobs. The Battle of the Bobs. Yeah, and they even had bobbling heads back then, but they were just team bobbling heads usually. <laughs> so I remember you saying this before. And I know you don't like the game of basketball anymore. Nope. I know you don't. I really have a hard time watching it now. The reasons for me nowadays is because. I very much dislike the way that the scoring is. That goes back to no defense. <clears throat> I, I, I just recall growing up in the 90s where, yeah, teams would score in, score in the hundreds, but teams wouldn't consistently score 120 points. It's all money. It's all what clothes you wear, the car you drive. Winning isn't as important as it used to be. You go back to when I watched the Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, Wilt Chamberlain, Earl Monroe, Elvin Hayes, Watson. So those were the days. They, these players today couldn't wear their jock straps. <laughs> You think they wear jock straps still even? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I can't stay in the game today. I really can't. Here's an assumption for it. I wonder if the reason why that's like that is because with endorsement deals, you know, from Nike, from Adidas, from Under Armour now, if they make more money off of the court than they would on the court, so in order to maybe keep their bodies in check to prolong their careers more, maybe they just – I wonder if I just wonder if that's the reason why it seems like the effort's not put forward. I don't know. All I can remember is Dennis Rodman. He was one guy that made me not watch it anymore. And then Patrick Ewing making that great statement when they were on strike. It's all about putting food on the table. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wasn't it Terrell Owens that was making 40? Oh, and, was, and was crying because he said he needed to support his family? Yeah, yeah same difference. Different sport. You know, same difference. I mean, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. I, I'm surprised they even watch sports anymore. Well, you obviously do. Yeah, I watch baseball, football, and hockey, and, uh, you know, I watch it regularly, you know, to, I get all the packages now. I used to go to a lot of games, but I don't go anymore, so. Last game you went to? Oh, my God. I haven't seen a game for, oh, jeez, of any kind for maybe. Fifteen? I can't remember exactly, you know, how long it's been, but it's been quite a while. When did the conversion from basketball being your favorite sport, right? Yeah. To did it slide over to baseball? No, I was always a baseball fan. I was a football fan. Hockey, I just started following when the Capitals got a team in 74 because I was down there with the Bullets. That's when the Capitals came in. Yeah, so yeah. it was easy to you know, follow hockey then with the new team coming in and everything. Greatest so. hockey player of all time. Oh, it's Wayne Gretzky. Then you got people saying Bobby Orr, defense, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Gordie Howe, you know, all that. But, you know, different eras, too. So. Pretty sure I told you this before my first hockey game down in Nashville. I saw a hat trick with Scott Walker for the Predators. And then the second game, I saw four fights in a broken glass. Pretty blown away with the way that hockey is on television compared to in person. Mm-hmm. There's no comparison at all. 
I think hockey is the best uh, game in person that there is. Baseball is my favorite sport, always will be, always has been. Huge football fan. But my favorite to go to, if I want want consistent entertainment, 100% is hockey. I I would pick hockey going over an NFL game and any other... Any other game other than the Yankees, mm. I would pick hockey to go to. If you, if if you guys have never been to a hockey game, go to a hockey game. You'll fall in love with the sport. One hundred percent. There's people out there that make fun of the game. I you know I have a friend that does. I really can't believe it. I just, these guys are the. I think they're the best athletes. They're unreal. Oh, the they're a different world of their own. You know the athleticism. And, out of this and world. if you don't like it, you must not know the rules because it'd be I hard think, to like a game if you didn't know the rules. You have to watch it in order to. Yeah. to it takes a little bit of time, I think, yeah. in order to get the rules. But I, I can kind of understand why, because from my own personal experiences, if you have only watched hockey on TV, you can't appreciate it. That's right. So. I, I can see how someone's saying they wouldn't like it if they've only watched it on TV. But if you go to if you go to a game, absolutely unbelievable. I swear, I have a friend today that when there's an offside, he takes five yards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I want to. We you mentioned the word football a few times. I have too. Who's winning? Who's winning the big boy? I really don't care, but you know, my team's the Steelers, and they're not in it. So same here. Um, if I had, uh, I'd root for Peyton Manning because he's such a good person and everything. And this will probably be the end. So he only has one Super Bowl win. He needs another one. He's got to catch his brother. Yeah, but you know, to be honest with you, it ain't happening. You don't think so? No, I don't think so either. No, I really think that I, I think Carolina's unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Wayne Newton could lead that too right now. <laughs> they're pretty, <laughs> they're pretty good for sure. If Peyton wins, let's just say Cam goes down. Bring in the backup, throws three picks, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Peyton wins. Does that mean he comes back next year? No. If he loses, does he come back next year? No. He's done. This is it. Uh-huh. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think no matter what, this will be it. Mm-hmm. In my lifetime, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. But the thing about him is he's a good guy and everybody likes him. That's why he gets all those commercials. You know, they wouldn't put someone on those commercials that uh, you know, wasn't respected like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the money is. You know, if put a good person on there who endorses a product, you know they're not going to be a shyster of any kind. Right. He's proven to me that I haven't heard anything bad about him. So I know these stories. I know some stories that have to do with road trips in the presence of pro athletes. Furthest you've ever driven a pro athlete? Oh, well, I, I've driven now, but, I mean, uh, Tom Kropp who played for the Bullets, and then... Uh, he uh, made the uh, Chicago Bulls. He called me on the phone in Jersey Shore, and he told me, uh, you know, I made the team, and could I drive his car out to Chicago for him? So his car was in, you know, uh, in, in Maryland. Washington. Yeah, it was in Maryland, and uh, he wanted to fly me, and I said I'd never been in a plane, so so I had two friends follow me out. I drove. We went to Maryland, both of us. Uh, we stayed at Tom Kazelko's house. He played for the Bullets at the time, too. You stayed at his house? Yeah, I did that a lot. Yeah. He, how, how big was he? He was only 6'8". He was a backup center to uh, Unselled for a number of years. Um, but we drove out to Chicago. We stayed at Crop's place, watched the game against Indiana opening night. and At the stadium, right? Chicago Stadium. And uh, Bandler got thrown out two technicals like early in the game, so Crop got to play most of the game, which was pretty cool. So you got to see him play after yeah. you drove his car. yeah. Um, but anyhow, people know, don't know the name Tom Crop. He, he was really a heck of an athlete. He was drafted by the Steelers, too. Really? Yeah, as a linebacker from Kearney State. But uh, he was a good friend, and, you know, we went out there, and we drove, and then stayed over. Next day, we stopped at the Coliseum in Cleveland and saw the, the uh, Lakers and the Cavaliers play. That's when, you know, Jabbar played that, so that was pretty cool. You've met Jabbar, right? Yeah. No. Not a fan? No. Rude. He was rude to me. I've seen him rude to other people, too. I don't like him. Nicest athlete you've met? Uh, Gary Gaetti. Gary Gaetti. I'm a fan of his, too. Yeah. And for for my 11th birthday, I still have this. You went out to eat with him, right? Oh, Whenever, yeah. He's, he's, no, I mean, for my birthday present. 
the autographed baseball. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, I got it for my eleventh birthday. Uncle Tony, uh, he came over and um, tossed me his baseball and said, "To Todd, happy eleventh, Gary Gaetti." Yeah, he was a nice guy. He did a lot of things for me. He was really a good guy. So since that, I've always been a, I've always been a fan. Even though up at that point, his career was obviously just about over, if not over at the time. Yeah, he played like twenty years. Yeah, who did he get drafted by? First team he uh, was Minnesota Twins. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. He gave me a glove that he had uh, played with. That's even on baseball cards he showed me. It, that he used for five or six years. and A Mizuno, black Mizuno glove. Yeah. So the glove that's on the card yeah, that's the, is in your collection. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into your collection because your collection is like the greatest thing ever to me. And at at the peak, if, if you could at one time tally up all the, ba- all the game-used bats you've had, what do you think the number would be around? Over 2,000. Over 2,000 game-used bats. Right. Who do you think you have the majority of? I, is there any one guy? I had like 28 Cal Ripken bats. 20, <laughs> 20 Ripkins. Okay, since we're on the topic of bats, what's your most prized possession when it comes to, to bats? What do you cherish the most? Hmm... I'd have to really think about that. I've had so. I've I mean, had, you only have two thousand to go through. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I'd have to really think about that. I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's a lot of good bats that I have. Do you but, remember your first piece of memorabilia that you got? No, you don't. No, I remember my first autographs. Who, who were they? It was 1965 at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore, and no, <laughs> remember the year. <laughs> it was on September the fifth, 1965. <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon, uh, the Indians were playing How's the Orioles. How was the weather that Sunday afternoon? It was all right, yeah. <laughs> but the Orioles were hosting the Indians, and the Orioles parked down there by the bullpen, and and uh, we were down there, and I had an Oriole yearbook, and the first two guys to sign up was uh, Dave Johnson and Paul Blair for the Orioles. Yeah, that was my first autographs. And then ever since, you couldn't stop? No. Couldn't, to this day? To this day. To this day, you can't stop. Okay, so the collection is obviously thousands of game-used pieces. Yes. The majority of, outside of cards, is the majority of the stuff all game-used? Yes. Yes, I'm not one of those persons that get bats at shows and get them signed. I get, these are like game-used things. I've got like it's got 800 Original hockey. pine tar and everything. Oh, yeah. Got like over 800 hockey sticks. NHL players, and uh, I guess there's only a hundred, over a hundred pairs of shoes. I have NBA players, and I have jerseys, and warm ups, and cleats. I, uh, autographs I have been doing. I got over a million autographs, literally. Literally over yeah. a million autographs. Counting extras that I have. Yeah, yeah, and I have. I used to trade away my extras. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But I have over four million cards. Baseball, football, basketball, and hockey cards. That's a legit number. Yes, not, that's not a ballpark figure. No, over four million cards. Yeah, my dad, in a way, is just like you. He remembers, he remembers cards that he has from '67. Let's just say, I remember in the car rides, we get the Beckett guys or whatever. We go to a card show, say in. Somewhere in, let's just say, East Rutherford, New Jersey, okay? And on the way home, you know, I'd be all hyped up because he'd buy me some stuff. And I'd open up a Beckett guy, and I'd go to, say, 1972. And I'd go to the baseball section and just read off all these names. I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. I used to have it. My grand threw it away. Boom, boom, boom. Do you remember who was maybe in, like, your first few packs of cards that you got? Or your first one that really... That you got excited about? I uh, got excited about. I remember my first car was going to a grocery store. My mom I was with my mom, and I got uh, 1961s. I can remember like there were cello packs there. I remember getting them, but I can't remember who was in those packs. But I know like 62 and 63 real well that I remember. Yeah, you, know, you know, like Mickey Mantle or somebody like that. Uh, that was really a big thing. I know that Mickey Mantle was pretty important to you as a 
as an athlete, and you would know this if you ever walked in his house because is it still right above the uh, is it above the television or is it on the right side of the living room? Oh, the picture of uh, him and I. Yes. Yeah, he was a spokesperson for a company I worked for in Maryland, and he came in to work a couple of times. He looked like he could still play when he came in. That's how good he looked. I mean, it was in the eighties. Yeah, he was my favorite player growing up, and my mom and dad took me to Yankee Stadium in 66. Like I said, the Yankees were going down. I think they finished last that year. But I saw him hit two home runs. In one game? No, it was a four-game series. A four-game series? Yeah, one was a grand slam. Both of them were hitting right-handed. You know, I saw both home runs right-handed. One was off Marcelino Lopez, and one was off of George Brunette. <laughs> they were playing the Angels. <laughs> you don't forget things like that when you're a kid. No, you, you know? don't. They really don't. I remember I have this story from Yankee Stadium. Um, I don't. I don't remember if it was my first time there. It might have actually. I think it was my first time there. John Flaherty was playing for the Yanks at this time. Obviously not starting. Um, but we were in in uh, the right field seats, probably maybe six years back from the fence. And we're there watching batting practice. This was the first time there. And I am probably I'm about six rows back and probably five seats deep. And we're probably a section over from the foul pole. Okay. John Flaherty hits this hits his ball and it's coming right at me. And I'm thinking I'm gonna get a home run ball here in batting practice. And <laughs> never forget it. I'm there, I'm camped under this I'm like it's a can of corn, really. And I'm camped under it and all of a sudden out of nowhere, some guy plows into me. I go flying through the five seats, and I'm almost into um, to the steps. This guy plows me over. I'm 14 years old. My dad's looking somewhere. I don't know if he saw it or not. I'm this 14-year-old kid. This guy was probably 40 to 45 years old. Runs me over. He gets the ball. Doesn't say, no, I'm sorry, nothing like that. I don't know if, if you're not supposed to, but I just remember I got my butt whooped my first time ever in Yankee Stadium trying to get a ball. Well, you were in New York. I was in you New York. I should have known. You didn't expect him to say, uh, I was 14. I, I was 14. You wouldn't expect an excuse me. Which... No. And, well, I don't think I would have plowed a guy over trying to get a ball. I mean, first of all, it's John Flaherty. <laughs> If it was maybe like Apollo O'Neill or something, maybe. But yeah, that was that was one of my fondest memories of Yankee Stadium. So I was at the last game at Yankee Stadium. You were at the last game, the very last game ever at the old Yankee Stadium. Who did they play? Tigers. Score. I can't remember. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I remember Duke Sims hit a home run, the last home run there, and uh, there's a guy by Marvin Lane of the Tigers hit one too there. But uh, I could hear the hammers going in the late innings, you know, taking the seats out and stuff. Something you wouldn't see today. Really? Yeah. While the game was going on? Yeah. They had two years. Hmm? They had two years. They couldn't wait till the end of the game? No, no, no. This was the last game at before it was refurbished. Yeah. In 73. Yeah. Yeah, so they were taking out the seats, people. Yeah, why couldn't they wait till the game was over? No, they had to get a head start. They had two years, though, right? What do you mean two years? Were they going to stay at the ballpark two years? No, I mean, till they went to Shea for two years, yeah, right? Yeah, 74, 75. Yeah, so they had two years. They couldn't wait till the end of a ball game to start? St- start the remodeling? Oh, no. No? No. Fans are, you know, they were really hitting the hammers. What was the difference between the old and the new? The Yankee Stadium? Yes. Oh, my God, the old is terrible, terrible seating. I mean, if you were down low, you couldn't see it all. I mean, it's like real low. I could see nothing out there. I mean, and uh, upper deck, if you were in the f- lower part of the upper deck, it's fine. But after that, oh, it's too many poles and stuff like that. It was just, it was bad. A lot of bad seats. I got to see Jeter's th- uh, 3,000 hit the home run live. I was there for that game. We had the tickets, I think, like three months in advance. And as we're getting closer and closer, if... If you remember, Jeter went on the DL like two weeks before his 3,000 hits. So we thought we could possibly miss it because of the disabled list. Who knows? Who knows what happens when that goes on? But um, the night before that game, he gets to uh, 29.99, and the following day we're going, and he's starting. 
And I'll I'll never forget, we had to park about three quarters of a mile away in some parking lot. Paid $45 to park. And we... (laughs) I know. 45 bucks to park. I think that's where it's gotten out of hand a little bit, don't you think? Absolutely. And we had to walk that far, but on the way back to the car, it was like the greatest walk I've ever had. Because he's gone, he went five for five. David Price was pitching. Taysom Yard, his, no, I'm sorry, he was at, he was at uh, 28.99. He had, because he got 29.99 there. And then his second of bat, he uh, he went yard off a of price, and I remember being in the upper deck. We were up pretty high, and when you're looking down, it was almost like you were looking straight down. The seats were terrible, but when that ball went over the fence, you could feel the concrete give from everybody jumping up and down. And I was 23 years old, and I if this is how I'm going, this is a great way to go. Yeah, I was at the. World Series game, Reggie Jackson hit three home runs, and that was the same Yes, yeah, so you, you told me that like two weeks ago. Yeah. I can't believe you were there. Yep, I was there. What was the crowd reaction like? It was unreal. I mean, it was just beyond belief. What were you, were you jumping up and down too? Uh, you, I was a plum. You, I wasn't any, You're pretty reserved. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. But how did, okay, at that time, did you know that you just saw history? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I was rooting for the Yankees to win the World Series, Absolutely. but you know, I wasn't. Let me ask you this: Did you pay to go to that? Back in those days, I paid for that. Yes. What was your streak? Your year-to-year streak of not paying to go to a game? Oh, let's see. Nineteen seventy-nine World Series up until when I stopped going. Nineteen ninety-four. Five. Let me see. Did I see it? Yeah, I saw some more after that, but I never paid from 1979 on up to the. You know what you should do? We should get online and and get the ticket prices from that time to when you have when people just let you go for free to the time you stopped and see how much money you saved. Really? That would be a pretty neat statistic, I think. Yeah. That would that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So the opener to my show is the voice that you're hearing right now. And he he does amazing impressions as Marv Albert, Bob Shepard. If you were to bring in Mickey Mantle and Bob Shepard, how would it sound? Silence! Number seven. No, 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 no. I want the whole spiel. What? Bring him in. Like, welcome everybody. And ju- just like my opener, you know, but bring in Mickey Mantle. From thanking everybody, uh, for welcoming everybody in, and let's just say for some reason he's hitting lead off. Just blah, 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 and then just do his whole beginning to Mickey Mantle. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to Yankee Stadium. The Yankee Scorecard, an official program magazine, is on sale now. At the souvenir stands or from stadium vendors. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, number seven, Mickey Mantle, Centerfield, number seven. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. When did you start, I guess, trying to sound like Shep? When did you realize that you could do that? Because that's a pretty special talent. I don't remember that. I don't know. Did, did you ever meet him? No, but he knows him. He knew of me because some of the players told him. Some of the players told yeah, him about you? Guy Eddie and some of those guys. So, all right, tell me. This is the cool. This is one of the coolest things for me because I was a huge Sunday Night Baseball fan with John Miller and Joe Morgan. Tell me about John Miller and you. Yeah, he was a great guy. I got to know him real well when he was uh, doing games for the Orioles. And he said he was going to try to get me that job as the PA guy at Yankee Stadium, so I don't know. It never worked out. But uh, Do you think it was uh, out of respect? It could have been. I don't know. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, whatever it was, that's as good a reason, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Last time you spoke to John, you think, was... Well, it's been a long time, but long if time. I would call him and... I think you should. Do we're, that impression. He would his, know who it was. He, we're going to get his uh, uh, his number, yeah. and you're not going to talk as Tony. You're going to yeah. talk as Shep. Yeah. Well, actually, wherever San Francisco's playing on the road, you know, you'd probably get 
hotel, call the hotel, and then, uh, you know. We should do that. Yeah. Maybe, does he ever travel to Pittsburgh? Well, sure, I think so. I don't think he does just home games. I, you know, some. I mean, you know, some people do. Now, oh, he's getting up there. That's yeah, true. so he's I don't know. Up, that's why I didn't know. I don't know if he does uh, the whole thing or not. I don't know. We're gonna have to look into this. Yeah, that was the Bob Shepard, which is unbelievable, as you all have just heard. Now we recorded this Bob Shepard and Marv Albert stuff for my show. Everything that all the intros and all the exits you're gonna hear is the guy that you're hearing on the other side. And my favorite one that we recorded, do you remember what it was? You're in it, right? Yeah. My last name's in it. And he stuffs. Yes. That's my favorite. Yes. Can you give me one, a play-by-play like that, without me, just whoever. Make up somebody. Oh, you don't want in it? Yeah, yeah. Put me in it. This is my, okay. This is the Toddcast. Put me in it. As Frazier will throw in from side court, throws in the barnet, and he moves with a cross. One bounce to Reed. Up the corner of the bushes, side jump. No good rebound. Todd, he stuffs. Todd Orndorff stuffs it in. And, and he hears it from the crowd. He's doing it all. <laughs> I think I went three for, that was, uh, was three for three on my third field goal, right? Three for three, yes. The, what makes that, I think, because that's, <laughs> that's my favorite by far, honestly. When you do it, it's like you're painting a picture. You weren't here and there was a game on and they turned the volume down and just played that. I would think it was Marv Albert. It's 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 that on point. You did that for Marv, but he really wasn't all that responsive, right? Uh, he was too busy biting something. <laughs> if you don't know what that's about, Google it. <laughs> Google Marv Albert, you'll get yes. the scandal. I uh, was more impressed with Fat Albert. Uh, that's definitely one of my. That's that's my favorite. The, the way that whenever we recorded that, you did it on the fly, snap of a finger, and you brought it out. Pretty exciting. Now, your first football game you ever went to? Do you recall that? Yeah, I do, and it wasn't really that long ago. Terry Bradshaw was a rookie. <laughs> so it was quite a while ago. And they played the Buffalo Bills, and uh, he was even punting that day. What? He punted too, Bradshaw. I think I saw, the Steelers were one in thirteen. I think that year. Oh, so we did great that year. Yeah, that was Chuck Knoll just come, you know coming yeah. in, and but uh, but my dad and I, boy, I tell you, we went to all those home games in the seventies. That's a heck of a drive. Yeah, not that bad. It's four hours, maybe three and a half. Yeah, but for back four, then though, three and a half, four. But we saw all the Steelers home games, and boy, we, look what we saw those four Super Bowl, you know, the four Super Bowl teams. We in the seventies, we saw all the games. Did home. you go to a Super Bowl? No, 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 no. Never gone to a Super Bowl? No. You've gone to World Series? Yeah. You've got NBA championships? Uh, yeah, I've seen some of them. Who'd you see? Saw the uh, Bullets and the Supersonics in Washington. When they, Actually, when the Bullets won the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah, and I saw when the Bullets played Golden State when they lost four straight to them. Rick Barry was playing. Uh, bullets were great, and... They lost four straight to Golden State. That's like the struggles of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, but the thing is, it's so tough to win a championship. Yeah. Bullets only ever won one, but they won one. Yeah. And here, my hockey team has never won anything. Yeah, about and, that. And all I want's one. That's all you want? Yeah, one. That's fine. You know. How, how hard is that? Just one. No, it's hard. <laughs> but that's all I ask for is one. And they have the best record in the league this year, but hey. We all know that they don't win in the playoffs. Something happens. I mean, yeah. they have a black cloud over them. Not that they choke. It's just that, you know, it's just a lucky break here and there, and then they end up losing. What was it that got you into hockey so much? If I were to think of my Uncle Tony, I think of being a fan of everything, but the way that you talk about hockey and you know all these names and you can pronounce all these names from a thousand different countries, what got you so hooked into hockey? Well, that's when uh, I followed the Bullets and the Capitals brought in a... I mean, I had seen some hockey games before 1974 because the Penguins used to play at home at night after a Steeler game. So I got to see two games in one day. Oh, that's a day. That was pretty neat, that's yeah. That's a day. One o'clock Steeler game and then a game over there at the Civic Arena, you know, at the time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I watched some of those games, but I didn't follow it real, real close. But when Washington brought a team in in 1974... You know, 
that's when I started watching it. I mean, uh, I used to play ping pong with the guys and everything else. I was in the locker room with all for the hockey team. If, yeah, because of the bullets too, you know. So I got to go in there when the Capitals were in. But that was uh, the first year of the team. Yeah, best ping pong player. Best ping pong. Who was the best ping pong ping pong player? I don't know. Truck Robinson of the Bullets wasn't too bad. <laughs> So the guys in the locker room were they? I mean, I've met, I've met some pro athletes from going to games and stuff or whatever. Uh, not very many of them, but when they're off the court or off the field, pretty down to earth. Uh, I guess. Hold on. At that time, the media and, and social media is not what it is now. They were all all seem to be good guys. All down to earth. Yeah. I guess. I guess that's that's what I'm asking. Were the egos as big as they seem now? Nope. I seen Elvin Hayes negotiate his contract with Abe Pullen. He was riding a bicycle in the, the back of the Capitol Center. I saw it, and he, he even says, uh, "How much do you want?" You know, and he said, "Oh, that's enough." I've, there will be there will never be a player in history that says that's enough when it comes to a contract. Yeah, that's what he said. That's enough. You have to respect that. That's one of the greatest things ever. I, I, I never uh, knew that story. Yeah, I was in the locker room there. This is what it means. Like Cowens had said something about. Hayes or whatever he uses. We'll see what happens tonight. You know, it's like it really meant something. Yeah, know? he went out and killed him. There was rivalries because you cared. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not saying that people today don't care, but you know, it's just not like it. I mean, there's too much laughing around. There's too much. Uh, you got a guy gets to first base laughing all this, but you're down five runs, but you're going to laugh. I, I don't like that. You see pe- people in the dugout laughing, yeah. and you're down five runs, six runs. Yeah. I can't take that. I'm sorry. I, what, I'll tell you one thing that annoys me is, let's just say there's a baseball game going on, right? And player just, a few guys just go into the locker room. When they walk down the steps to go into the locker room, that drives me nuts. I guess it's because whatever I play, I, I mean, how could you not want to watch and cheer? I don't know. Maybe I'm old school. Now, I mean, I was brought up with with the old school mentality, I guess, but that just really drives me nuts when people don't want to be there leaning on the fence, you know. And even though you might not be in the game, you're you're a part of the game. I've been turned off by a lot of these players today. I'm, oh my God, you got to be kidding me! And if we're going back to the basketball thing here, real quick, the defense and all that other garbage, you know, how there basically is none anymore, except for San Antonio. That's a team that I still do very much respect because it is a team. And if you watch them, it's a team. Mm-hmm. And Uncle Mike, that plug was for you. Um, he's a big Spurs fan. I don't know if you know that or not. He's, he, he, he messaged me all the time oh, talking about that. <laughs> yeah, Spurs everything for that guy down in Texas. Yeah. But I just I – don't, I don't understand how you could – records – I mean, a win-loss, to me that's – that's something extremely serious. I, I don't know if it's like in all sports now where it's just not what... I don't even know. I just wish that there was some drive. Not enough seriousness. No. I'm sorry. There isn't. I agree. Yep. I very Nothing much irritates me, though. One of the team's down by four or five runs, and you look at the dugout, and they're laughing everywhere. You're yeah. like, it's no, who cares? Like, who cares if we win or not? We're going to get my money. We're going to go to eat yeah. after the game. Yeah. I can't take that. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. It turns me off so bad. I mean, I go back to the 60s for sports, you know. Yeah. They weren't like that back then. They were waiting for somebody to take their job. Yeah, exactly. You it had is. to fight for something. Yeah. yeah. It was a thing of pride. And then all you hear turn sports center on is how many millions this guy's going to get. How many? Oh, I, I, oh, my God. That Rosenthal drives me nuts. <laughs> You're not a fan of Ken Rosenthal? He drives me nuts with those millions. I know he's supposed to report it, but I can't take it. I never knew your hatred for Ken Rosenthal. I don't hate him. I just can't take the... Uh, it's too many millions I hear about. I'm sick of it. Unfortunately, that's the game. Yeah. I mean, look at Chris Davis. He was only getting a hundred and... How many million dollars? He turned it down, and they finally got what he yeah. wanted. Big yeah. deal, what? Uh, yeah. 167 or 7? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. How could you make ends meet on 160? I don't know. The struggle must be real. Yep, I mean, I really think he, that. He's got, you know, I don't know if he's married or has kids, but he probably will someday. He's got to feed him. <laughs> he's got to feed his family. Yeah, I mean, you can get, eat filet mignon the rest of your life every meal. You, you know. It'll probably be free, though. Oh, yeah, they don't be... have to pay for nothing. No, they don't pay for nothing. They don't. I know. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, don't talk to me anymore about this. I might not want to watch any games this year. <laughs> okay. I love the game. I just don't like the players. Absolutely. How's that great? Yeah. The theory of the game itself will always be exciting. You do this, you do this, you try to stop this by doing this. Yeah. But it's the off-the-court stuff, maybe, or off-the-court stuff that influences or enhances the product on the court. Look at all these criminals getting in trouble in these sports. Yeah, that yeah. happens all the time. And that never happened back then. Uh, Not as much. No. A, a fraction. Small fraction. Very small fraction. Very small fraction. Yeah. These players don't know who Oscar Robertson is, I wonder. I mean, how good he was, or Jerry West. You don't think they know? Who knows? Wilt Chamberlain. My God, Bill Russell. I hear Wilt was a coach, and he was pretty bad, though, wasn't he? What, coach? Yeah. yeah. yeah he was a bad coach. Mm-hmm. But when you went to the hotel to get autographs, you, you knew who he was when he came out of the elevator. Oh, of course. He was, of course. <laughs> Not because of the height. It's just the, yeah. he, he knew the good and everything. There he is. And he was nice, too. Yeah. Yeah. You met him a few times. Yeah, he was nice. Anything on Dr. J that you have? Anything? Oh, he was really nice. Yeah, his, I, I mean, you know that my dad loved Dr. J. Encounters of any kind with Dr. J stories. Yeah, I don't have any memorabilia from him. I don't have his shoes or well, anything. Well, that's a problem. You, I mean, yeah. you need to get some of that. But, well, he, I had a sporting news cover there at the hotel there in Maryland, uh, and uh, he came in and he was carrying a couple of different bags, you know, from shopping. Or whatever. He put them down and, and signed the uh, sporting news cover. Real nice. He put it to Tony... Best wishes, Julius, Doctor J. Irving on it. That's really something, huh? What's the chances of that now? Uh, maybe if Doctor Kavorkin was around, I mean, sign or something. Not too too many people would do that anymore. No, they don't want to be bothered. No, they don't. I wonder though if that's because the camera's in the face so much and it might get old. I don't know. I just don't. I can't imagine a guy getting nineteen million a year and then charging for autographs. That kills me. Yeah. Oh, he's making money on me. Oh, sure. Why don't you pay him all his gas money and ticket money too? So. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. That's. It, I'm just soured on the whole thing. Yeah. Well, swerving off of that, back to the memorabilia, real quick. Going in the room that has the football helmets. Those were all game used. Yeah. If I recall, let me see if I remember. This is long. Oh my gosh. So I'm 29 now. This is probably maybe 19 years ago. Seattle Seahawks helmet? No, never had a Seahawks. I'm totally wrong on that then. Uh, there's an Oilers helmet though, right? Yeah. Who was that? That was a biggie. Who's that? Mike Bunchak. Who? Mike Bunchak. Oh, Mike Bunchak. Uh-huh. Who else is there? Uh, George Rogers of the Saints. Uh, Ross Browner of the Bengals. Tim Lewis of the Packers. I didn't have that many football helmets. No, I don't remember seeing. I remember seeing. I think if I recall, barrels of baseballs. Though, is there anything on those baseballs? Or are they just like? No, they're just like batting practice baseballs and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. So if I ever need a couple for yeah, right. if I ever need a couple, to toss out in the backyard. Yeah. All my autographed baseballs are like in drawers and in, you know protectors. You have more bats than anything. Other than autographs. Yeah, other than total autographs. Yeah. Did you ever think about the total autographs? Because you said you got. Four million cards, they're not all autographed. Oh, no. No, no, no. But if you were to maybe just give a guesstimate on total autographs, I mean, it, it could be nowhere close or any, just a ballpark figure. Total autographs? Yeah, total autographs. Like over a million. Over a million yeah, autographs. Yeah. That's, yeah. A lot of it. that's a lot of pens. That's what I'm thinking. Because that's a lot of uh, doubles, too. You know, extras yeah. I have. Yeah. The amount of time... To- I think what I admire most about this is... Hard work, the dedicated, the miles. Yeah, that's a lot of miles. Going to a lot of hotels and sticking around, and but back then you could. Now you couldn't. You get kicked out of the hotels. Yeah, it was a lot different game back then. I think the, I, I think the coolest thing, is that, yes, the players obviously seemed to be a lot nicer at the time, but the fact that they knew that you weren't a scam artist of any kind, that. You did it because you loved the game and appreciated and respected what they did. And some of them, the way that they treated you, well, you know, hey, drive my car to Chicago. That would never happen now. Never. But the way that they accepted you into the locker room and things like that, that's yeah. that's unbelievable that somebody got to live a life like that. I'm 
I think that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I used to ride the Bullets team bus on the road there when I go somewhere. I what? Wrote, wrote I never it, knew that. Yeah, rode it to Philadelphia for a game, and then when I go to Cleveland or Buffalo, I'd be at the hotel. They'd say, "Hop on," I go with the team right to the arena, go in the locker room. Seriously? Uh huh. So where would your seats be? Uh, they left me seats on the road, and they were not bad. They were decent. You know, uh, the families all set there, like for the home team and the yeah. visiting team. Yeah. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. You were on team buses, even. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Well, we are up to 52 minutes. So, thank you very much for coming on. I, there's stuff on this that I didn't even know. I never knew about the, the team buses. I never knew about team buses at all. You never told yeah. me that. Maybe we'll have to have you back on sometime for... For part two of Uncle T. Uncle T. Of okay. Uncle T. Um, you want to give us a Marv Albert as we close out the uh, close out the interview? This is Marv Albert saying thanks for listening and get ready for our next program coming up soon. Wonderful. Thank you very much. That was awesome. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with my Uncle Tony. Great guy. Great stories. And... I did find out a fact, which I'm really upset that it's not in here. So I'll have to say because I would love for him to tell a story. But he had gone to 454 consecutive Orioles games. That is pretty crazy, pretty wild. I don't understand because they were all free. The guy lived a life, like I was saying. Hope you enjoyed it. It's pretty awesome. We have the Super Bowl coming up. Denver, Carolina. Who you taking? My pick, Carolina Panthers. I don't think they can be stopped right now. I think they're too explosive on the offensive side and their defense is rock solid. I do hope that Peyton Manning were to go out on top. Doubt it's going to happen, but you never know. That's the great thing about sports. You never know what's going to happen. You never go who's, who's going to produce, who's not going to produce, who's going to get hurt and who won't get hurt. The Royal Rumble, switching over to wrestling real quick, happened on Sunday, five days ago, and oh baby, I am so stoked. The phenomenal AJ Styles had finally made his appearance in the WWE. We will be talking more about this on the next show. This show, Todd Warner Fun and Talkcast, is an all-sports show. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey, no soccer, never, ever, ever, E-V-E-R, ever. Hunting and fishing, the WWE, and only the biggest bouts in MMA. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I really do. It was a great time. Thank you for coming along on the ride. I think it's only fitting that we exit the show with our guest and another Marv Albert. Good night, y'all. And thank you for listening once again to Todd Ornorf on the Toddcast. Thank you for listening. The attendance was off the charts. Tune in next time to Todd Orndorff on the Toddcast. Thank you and good night.